All right, got the thumbs up back there. <clears throat> Thank you for the privilege to be here. My name is Chris Schofield. I serve with the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina. And uh, for many of you who weren't uh, here, some of you who weren't here this weekend, um, this theme is made up of people that uh, from all over, different places, from Maryland and other other locations, Virginia, Virginia, uh, yeah, and most of them had to go back in North Carolina, and Bob and Phyllis, of course, y'all are uh, <clears throat> so familiar with them, and they um, are such a blessing to my heart, my life, I'm so grateful to the Lord to, uh, to know them and to serve the Lord with them. Um, I do know that uh, God has uh, been at work in the life of this church, I you can sense that, uh, you know, uh, just being a part of uh, of what God's doing here. I, I'm I'm really encouraged by what I hear uh, from your hearts, uh, from by the way you pray, by the way your your focus is on uh, the lost around here. Uh, God's going to honor that. You know that. Um, if there ever was a day that the church needed revival, it's today. And uh, I pray that God would start something right here that would spread all over this this uh, part of the state, all over this uh, nation. God, God is able to do that. God, <clears throat> God has always started revival and spiritual awakening somewhere uh, with some church, with some person uh, or persons. And why not here? Right here in Bristol, Virginia. Uh, I mean, God is able, isn't he? Uh, so the news could spread fast from right here, can it? So I pray that the Lord will do what only he can do right here uh, in the days to come. You continue to seek him. Uh, it is the seeking of the Lord that is so important right now. If there ever was a day that God's people needed to hear from God and needed to understand what God was saying, it's today. And we need to be sure that we, let me rephrase that, I need to be sure that I understand what God is saying in this day. So every one of us have that responsibility as a Christian to seek the Lord in these days. At least four times in the life of this nation, God's people have done that. And they have sought him because they recognized that there was great spiritual and moral famine in the land. That there was a time in uh, that, that, that there was just, the evil was marching forward. Darkness was marching forward. Communities were being torn up by sin. And God's people recognized that, and they sought him. They responded to his invitation uh, that we know so familiar, we're all so familiar with, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Do we really want God to heal our land? If we do, then we will seek him 
We will seek his face. We will turn from our wicked ways. I can't do anything about somebody else's wicked ways, but I can do something about mine. Can't, can't you? And so God is calling his people to give attention to the vital spiritual life in Jesus Christ. One of the great prayer texts we've been studying this weekend is found in John 17. So open your Bibles, if you will, to John 17. We're going to put in to the last six verses there, and uh, we're going to uh, study that uh, aspect. We've been looking at John 17. It is a part of the farewell discourses of Jesus. Jesus was seeking to do a couple of things in those discourses, John chapters 13 through 17. He was seeking to uh, prepare his followers and in their hearts for his departure. He was going to leave them in physical bodily form. So he is preparing them, but he's also preparing them for their mission. He knows that they will be the ones that will take the gospel to the world. So he is preparing the way for them. And John 17 is prayer preparation for that mission. And so the Lord, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, is seeking the Father. And he teaches us great dependence on the Father here. Great dependence on uh, the Father to do what only the Father can do. You know what that is? That is to, to fulfill the mission. And he is seeking the Father to fulfill his mission. I mean, here is the Son of God. And he is praying and asking the Father to complete the mission that the Father began in his heart, in his life, uh, uh, as his Son. And, and, and we, as God's people, need to be faithful. Faithful to depend upon the Father to complete the mission. I don't know how old this church is, just uh, uh, it's probably 60, 70 years old, I would imagine, not sure, but maybe older. What what year was this church founded? 75, okay. Well, <clears throat> but God started this church, and he has a mission for this church. It'll, it'll never be completed uh, if God's people don't depend on him right now. And so the years to come are important for the life of this congregation. We don't glory in the years past. We have to glory in the years forward. We can get hung up in the years past. We get hung up in the years past and we forget about the fact that God is seeking to continue to change people's lives in this community now and in the future. The golden years for this church are not in the past, but in the future. And, and that will be largely determined on how this body seeks the Lord and depends on him. And so Jesus here seeks the Lord. Verses 1 through 5 is, 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 our, is our Lord uh, praying for his mission to be fulfilled. Ver, verses 6 through 19 is if you will, the second section of this great prayer. And this is when Jesus prays for his followers. It's interesting that he prays three things because he knew these individuals would take the gospel to the world. They were the eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. And so it's in that, in that moment that he prays for his followers. 
they would take the gospel. He prayed for their character. He prayed they'd be kept in his name. He prayed that they would be protected from the evil one and his wiles and his temptations. He prayed that they would be set apart in his truth. They would be sanctified in his spirit and in his truth. And so it's through that that we come to this moment here in John chapter 17, verse 20. And the Bible says that Jesus shifts gears again. And so this is what we call the third section of this great prayer. And so listen to it as I read it this morning. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, Jesus is praying forward here. It's not just about those whom God has given him. It is about those who will believe in, in, in him through their word. Now, he's looking down through all the generations of Christianity, down through all the ages. And that means that when we look at this passage of Scripture, we know that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for us. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus was praying for us. He had us on his heart. He had our children and our grandchildren and their children and grandchildren down through the ages on, on his heart when he prayed this great prayer. And so it teaches me about prayer. Prayer is not just for me and my generation. It's not just for me and my family. It's not just for me and my church. Prayer is about the kingdom of God moving forward. And Jesus teaches us that because he models that in his life. He not only taught us in the model prayer that we all prayed together earlier, thy kingdom come, thy what? Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he teaches us here by actually doing that and praying. And so the same is true in our lives. We have to teach uh, by instruction, by, by teaching God's word, but we have to teach by modeling it. And people have got to see it in our lives. Listen, our children and grandchildren need to hear us and see us praying. They need to, to know that we are praying people. The children in this church need to hear you and see you pray. The children in this church need to see this church bending the knee and depending on the Lord to, to reach the people that are in this area. Because that will model that before their eyes. And when they become adults, they will know that the way that this church will impact this community and lostness is by depending on the Father in prayer. And so Jesus does this here. And then he prays two things. It's important here. There are only two things this morning that Jesus prays. Verse 21 and verse 24. Verse 21, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The whole purpose of this is the gospel moving forward. The whole purpose of this is that truly people might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is missional. This is about the mission of God. But he prays in that, in that direction for oneness. 
Now, now this is important. Uh, oneness is is uh, is sometimes mistaken by unity. Oneness is different than unity. We can you be united in uh, behind a cause, but not be one. We're united in a cause. I. You know, the, the great and terrible Civil War, I, I, I'm somewhat of a buff of that and, and love the stories of, of, uh, of, of just l- reading about Robert E. Lee and Robert E. Lee and how he and his generals went back and forth oftentimes. He and Jeb Stewart, you know, they, was, they sometimes bumped heads. And, and, and so and he and others, Stonewall Jackson, he was a hard head too, you know. Uh, but they, they bumped heads, but they disagreed. They were all unified behind the same cause. But they were oftentimes not in, in oneness with regard to how they would go about the battle. But you see, in, in the life of the church, what Jesus is praying toward is oneness. This oneness comes because we have the Spirit of God living in us. He says, I pray that that they will be one in the Father and in the Son and in us and, and that we would be in them. And, and, and this, is, this is referring to intimacy and the Spirit of God that's alive in every one of our hearts if we've been born again by the Spirit of God. This is important because we as Christians need to be unified in the Spirit of Christ. It's so important for us to be about what Christ wants us to be about in the kingdom of God. And we can unite around what Christ has on his heart if we are one in the Spirit of God as his people. That doesn't mean we don't have different opinions. It doesn't mean that we don't have, we're not different as the people. We, we have different styles of worship and all those kind of things. But we are united in his mission in his purpose, and what he is about, and that is redeeming a lost humanity and seeing people born into the kingdom of God and seeing the Father glorified among the nations. And so it, it, is, it is important that we see that it's the Spirit that brings that oneness. And you see, what's important, too, is how that's worked out in the life of the church. And the ingredient that, that we see here as Jesus prays, and we're going to look at it, that brings that oneness is the manifest presence of God. The holy manifest presence of God as his people love one another. Now, I want you to see this because this is, this is so important in the life of the church. If, if you don't get anything this weekend, get this. The world's not going to believe until we are one in the Father. You know that? And so it's important that we understand what brings that oneness. It's that vital spiritual life in Jesus Christ. As his people depart from their sin, they return to him in godliness and holiness. They seek him with all of their hearts. They bend the knee to him. And they allow him through his spirit to, to return to them. You know, and, I, and Zechariah 1, three, 
return to me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. And so he's the almighty warrior God who has the power to give victory or defeat. And so if we will return to him, then we can be one and see the victory as his people. But what does that entail? Look at verse, if you will, 22. And the glory with which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So the, 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 the thing that brings that oneness is the manifest holy presence of God in his glory. The glory. He's given them that purpose clause. They may be one. That's how it happens. It's by his glory. So there again, this is a gift of God's. The spirit of God is a gift of God's. We ask for his manifest holy presence. God gives his manifest holy presence. We don't work it up. We don't, we don't cause it to take place. We don't put it on a calendar for it to happen. But God gives it because he's a gracious God and full of mercy and loving kindness. And so the Bible says here, in the glory with which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect or complete in one, that the world may know that you have sent me. There we are. We see it. Why the purpose is, what the purpose is, and have loved them. Look at that. Have loved them as you have loved me. So what kind of love is that? That's God's agape love. That's God's agape love that is outflowing, sacrificial. It is selfless love. And that's what Jesus demonstrated on the cross. That's what Paul talks about in the lives of Christians that needs to be present. Love is patient. What kind of love is he talking about? Agape love. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It never fails. That's the love of God. And that's what he's saying has to be manifested in and through the people of God. Now, y'all, I want you to see the picture here. Jesus says, oneness comes from my manifest holy presence as, as my, my people are one in me in my spirit. I give that to them. And that is worked out in the love of Christ. That's demonstrated through my people and in my people so that the world might believe that I have loved them. Now look, when, when, God, when God's people show agape love to one another, then the world looks at that and they don't understand it. And, but they want it. Let me ask you a question. Are you showing God's agape love to one another as God's people? That means we're patient. That means we're kind. That means when we're wronged by somebody who is a believer, that means that, that 
we add an extra measure of grace there. Not because we're just showing favorites, but because we've been shown that extra measure of grace too. But we live out that grace. We live out that love, that, that kind and patient love. We're not doormats. I'm not saying that. That's not what that word describes. It describes steadfast love. It describes loyal love. But it describes patient and kind Love that doesn't keep a record of wrong, that does forgive and does let go, that does confront. You know, agape love confronts because you love so much. You don't want to see them go down that path that sin's taken them. And you confront them about it because you love them. And you know they're headed toward destruction if they do not turn. So we do that. In great love. But the church in America is torn apart by people who are critical of one another. Instead of loving each other, we criticize one another. If we spend half our time praying and loving one another that we do criticizing one another, we would already be in revival. So as the church, Jesus prays for oneness because he knew how important it was. When you see a body loving one another, you'll see a body that's reaching people for Christ. Because the world's going to stand up and say, hey, how do they do that? Now, secondly here, look at what Jesus says in verse 24. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Now, I want us to go back to that first phrase there. He says, verse 24, Father. That's woven six times throughout this whole prayer. It's God-centered. It's focused on the Father. He says, I desire that they also whom you gave me. Now, the word desire describes an, a, a deep-seated hunger within Christ. What he desires is what takes place next in his prayer. That they also, whom you have given me, may be with me. Now, what does it mean for us to be with Christ? What's he praying toward? For us to be with him. Well, we've got to think about that for a moment, don't we? To be with Christ means that we are with him in intimacy. The Bible speaks of the Spirit of God that comes to dwell within us. The Comforter, I, I will not leave you without the comforter, comforter. So the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, right? When we are born from above, we are converted to Christ. The Spirit of God comes and lives in us. So Jesus lives in us. Where is Jesus? He's in us. He wants us with him. He wants us with him in intimacy, in relationship, in vitality in that relationship. God is calling his people to intimacy in this day and time, y'all. We've got to give attention to the vital spiritual life. Are you giving attention to your spiritual life? Or is it just something that gets the leftovers in your life? 
You see, what God wants in every one of our lives is intimacy with us. I mean, he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross that that might be possible. So he wants us with him in relationship. But he also wants us with him in eternity, doesn't he? Because where is God? God is God. He's in heaven, right? But he's everywhere else, but he's in heaven, right? Jesus wants us with him. What does he say? He says when he was ascended to the right hand, that he ascended to the right hand that he might ever live to do what? Make intercession for the saints. Now, the writer of Hebrews tells us that. Paul tells us that. That he is about that. So he's at the right hand. So he wants us with him in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that's going to be a great day, right? And sometimes in this life, that day looks a little bit better than others, right? We, we love some, some days you just say, oh, Lord, take me on to be with heaven. I'll never forget when I had strep throat as an adult. I'm like, Lord, just take me on. I don't want to have to deal with this. <clears throat> but, but you see... Uh, He wants us with him in heaven. So if you're here today and you're not secure about your being with Jesus in heaven one day when you die, then you can be. It's the invitation today. You can come forward and we can, your pastor will be here and he can can share with you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and come uh, to, to know him intimately and personally and be saved. And spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And so, he wants us with him in heaven. But thirdly, he wants us with him. Where is Jesus? The Bible says, the Spirit, when he comes, will convict concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, 8. It's very clear that Jesus, through his Spirit, Is at work in our world. He's doing something. What's he doing? (laughs) He's drawing people to himself. The Spirit of God is at work. And he's working in the heart. That little word of, of convicting or convincing means to compel. You know, the Spirit is drawing people. And he tugs at people's hearts. Uh, he tugged at our hearts. You wouldn't be here as a, as a believer if you hadn't sensed the tugging of the Spirit of God. And God is at work doing that in the lost world, helping people to, to, to be drawn through His Spirit. But He says, I want my followers with me where I am. So where is Jesus? He's drawing. He's wooing. You think Jesus is at work in the people that live down the street in their lives, in your neighborhood? You think he's at work in in Walmart drawing people? You think he's at work in the local Target store drawing people? Of course he is. Jesus is at work through his spirit wooing and drawing people to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where he wants us with him in the Great Commission. How can we be with him? Well, God is, is, wants to use every single one of us as an instrument in his hand. 
And he will. It doesn't matter our gifts and our talents. He's the one that gave them to us anyway. He knows what they are. But you know what he's looking for? He's looking for someone who will surrender. Someone who will obey. Someone who will be with him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty great invitation in this life. And that is the God of this universe invites you and me to be involved in his great work. Now, I don't know about you, but that trips my trigger. That I have the awesome privilege to be involved in his work. I mean, he's the one that created me. We get hung up in our purpose. You know, a number of years back, there was this book that was written uh, called The Purpose Driven Life. I mean, it sold like millions of copies. People looking for their purpose. God's the author of our purpose. You know that, don't you? And what God wants to do in our lives is help us to walk with him in a manner that will please him and bring glory and honor to his holy name so that his name might be made known to the nations. Now that happens when we're with him, where he is. So where is Jesus, y'all? Every one of us have to answer that question. Is Jesus in your life, in your heart, because you have accepted him as Lord and Savior? Are you with Jesus? Secure in your salvation. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people. And there are lots of Christians, lots of people who say they're Christians. Who don't have security. We need to have security. It is what Jesus wants. He wants us with him in heaven. And to be secure about that. But listen. He wants us with him. Where is Jesus at work in your community? Does this church know where Jesus is? Have, have, you, have you determined where Jesus is? Where is he? Out there. At work. And are you going to be with him? That's the question. You see, Jesus prayed two things. Oneness. What what happens when we are one is that the world begins to believe because we are acting that out, that oneness out, through the love of Christ toward one another in the lost world. And, and the world begins to believe that the Father did indeed send the Son to be the Savior of the world. And then he sends us to be with him out into the world to make him known that people might know the Lord. That's kingdom praise. What if you turned around your prayer life and you said, instead of, God, will you bless me? Or God, will you just be with us in what we're going to do here in the life of this church? What if you, as individuals in a church, what if you begin to pray, Lord, we want to be with you where you are. 
that we might behold your glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path. And oh, how we pray that you, God, will have your way in every heart and life this day. As we have this time of invitation, we pray. There's somebody here who's never trusted Jesus. They've never come to know you, oh Lord, that today will be the day of salvation. That they will confess their sin. They will repent. And they will turn to you, oh Lord. Your word says, repent. That you might return. In order that your sins might be forgiven. Or blotted out. And times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for that. But Father, if there are Christians here today never really given attention to their vital spiritual life, they've, they got saved, but Lord, they just kind of have sat and soaked and soured. And they just hadn't really given attention to their prayer life, or their vital spiritual life. Today I pray for rededication of that life. But Lord I also pray that if there are believers here. Who want to see their prayer lives. Move toward the kingdom. That today would be the day of that commitment. And say Lord teach me to pray toward your kingdom. This day and forever. God do your work in our midst. Maybe there's someone here today, Lord, that knows that the agape love of Christ has not been demonstrated through their life towards somebody here or someone in the community, and they need to make it right. God, show us our sin that we might truly allow you to deal with it, that we might walk in a manner that's pleasing to you in that way, that you come in this time. Oh, Lord, and speak and do and accomplish your work, we pray. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I